built in all Calgarians is this, we want to make sure that you love your time here and that you meet the right people, that you've found your tribe, you've, you've had a mind meld with people that get you, that you've had a great conversation. Welcome to Startup Bill, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and this is the second of five episodes in a special mini-series leading up to the Uniting the Prairies conference. Uniting the Prairies, or UP conference, is a virtual conference on June 23rd and 24th that brings together the top startups from across the Canadian prairies to connect with global investors and tech leaders and collectively elevate the tech community. Head to unitingtheprairies.com to learn more and get your tickets. Leading up to the conference, we're hosting a five-episode mini-series to highlight the five major prairie tech cities in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Check out the three previous episodes on Saskatoon, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Regina, and now today we're featuring Calgary, Alberta. We talked with Nicholas Bike, founder and CEO of Helsim, Alita Tate, head of partnerships at Harvest Ventures, and Patrick Lohr, managing partner of Panache Ventures. Welcome to Startup Bill. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. This five-episode series is possible thanks to Collabs, Saskatoon's tech incubator, and the organizers of the UP Conference. Hello and welcome to Startupville. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Dan. Thank you. Hey, Dan. How are you? Thank you. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm very excited to have you all on uh, on this session. I mean, let's start from the very beginning. There are going to be people who do know you and some people who are not aware of, of what you uh, do currently on this. Um, this is in video and this is in audio and this is incredibly shareable. I can, I can just say that as well. Um, Patrick, if we could start with you, just the elevator pitch of who Patrick is and what it is you do. Yeah, so Dan, I am a kind of a failed student. Uh, I, I went to university with these big hopes and dreams. Uh, get into university and first year, I get put on academic probation uh, and I nearly get kicked out of school. Uh, but somehow, some way, I found my way. And I think that way was discovering, uh, discovering computers. And around that time that I was going to university was around the first or second year of the Apple Macintosh computer. So my first year of university was 1985, uh, 1984, if you remember from that famous Apple commercial was when the Mac came out. And that really lit a fire uh, in me. And so when I graduated, I actually found a job where I could actually use a Macintosh computer. I became somewhat of an amateur designer. I went on and I worked for Adobe. And, um, and after that, uh, what was absolutely incredible was I was able to start my own business uh, with, a, with my business partner, Bruce Livingston. We created the world's first uh, crowdsourced stock photography site called iStock Photo. Uh, we sold that business in 2006 and the rest, as you say, is history. Uh, we had a little bit of money. Uh, I started investing in the ecosystem. So we started doing a lot of volunteering, started democratizing the space to help other entrepreneurs get, uh, get voice with, uh, with investors and with customers. I invested in a bunch of companies. I also started a few companies. And about five years ago, we started doing this venture investing thing full time. And so today, uh, Panache Ventures is a $58 million seed stage venture fund. We've invested in 90 companies so far, and we concentrate mostly in technology, mostly early stage, and mostly Canadian. We're actually 90% uh, Canadian. 
as far as our portfolio goes. And we've got companies all the way from Whitehorse uh, all the way out to uh, Newfoundland. So we're super, super proud of, of our portfolio of companies and also super proud of the diversity across the board. And uh, Elite. So actually, I'll continue on this. I wasn't a failed university graduate or anything, but I graduated with a history and philosophy degree. I'm a born and raised Albertan. And when I graduated, I thought, okay, I'm going to go and work in some sort of community health or something like that. Well, there were no jobs. There was nothing going on. And so over a dozen years ago, that's how I just managed to land myself in tech recruitment. Had no idea. it was. I was the least tech savvy person <laughs> you knew, but I managed to land my way into tech recruitment. And the rest is history. A dozen years later, I've been supporting different startups and enterprise organizations and talent acquisition, talent management, um, and that kind of jazz uh, over the last dozen years. And now at Harvest Builders, kind of really figuring out what different startups need and, and figuring out you know where I can lend a hand and add some of that service. And Nick. Yeah, I feel I feel the trend is to, you know, who had the worst academic uh, history. I, I, you know, I will, Pat, I think I'll, I'll take you up one stage. I graduated, I got academic information twice and I graduated with a 2.4. So, if we're really, uh, so, so there you go. I think I somehow I, I win the street cred of bad school, um, being a bad student. So, uh, so my name is Nick. I'm the founder and CEO of Halsum. Halsum is a payments company that started uh, over a dozen years ago. We are... Uh, we are competitor to uh, think of the squares of the world, the Monerises of the world. Uh, we're Calgary-based. Uh, we have a team of 95, and, and we service tens of thousands of businesses across Canada and the U.S. Um, and we've really kind of found our groove in the past couple of years and, and started Accelerate from there. Um, that's, that's my story in a nutshell. And you all have interesting stories. Everyone has a story to tell, and that's why I thoroughly enjoy doing uh, podcasts like this, because I get to meet different people who all have their own take on things and their own perspective and their own experiences and their own hopes, dreams, and ambitions. So um, tell me a bit about the ecosystem in Calgary. I, I'm a regular visitor to Calgary. I, I'm a big fan of the city. I'm a big fan of um, the sport or, you know, their sport there. And um, just in general, um, uh, as an ecosystem, as, as a place to grow organizations that are, let's say, less traditional to the, to the perception of what the Calgary economy is, um, what is it like actually to be there uh, in the middle of it all? Maybe I'll start with Alita on this one. I think the tech ecosystem in Calgary is really exciting right now. I think we're seeing a really interesting shift and not just now, but over the last five years, especially a really big shift into tech. And, you know, Calgary, as we all know, has been quite oil and gas and industry centric real estate construction and that kind of jazz. And we're seeing this really strong shift towards tech. And we have some really strong pillar companies already here. We've had some really successful entrepreneurs already come through Calgary and, and Alberta and the prairies. Um, but right now it's, we're seeing, um, you know, different stakeholders, really emerge to support entrepreneurs and drive this ecosystem forward. So I just think it's a really interesting time and, and people in Calgary are interesting because they want to work together. We want to help each other grow. We want to collaborate and talk amongst ourselves. It's a real handshake city. And so, yeah, I think we're just feeling a lot of energy and drive in the tech ecosystem and that's pretty exciting. 
And Patrick, from the point of view that you've been there, you've been someone who's come into a space, you've disrupted, and you've seen from the point of view of supporting other organizations within your own uh, working practice, how do you see the, the scene has grown, evolved, developed, and the opportunities that are really starting to emerge there? Yeah, I think that Alberta has been just blessed with, um, you know, with our history. Uh, it's a young history. You know, the province is only, uh, was only established uh, since 1905. And, and so I think that not only are we young from, uh, from a world point of view, but we're even young from a Canadian point of view. And I, I think what that means is that, is that we are, you know, almost in every sense of the word, we're cowboys, you know, we're, we're pioneers. And so we're, we're new, uh, we're new wealth. Uh, and so I think that the people here, when I meet people that have, um, that have done, uh, that have done something to, uh, that have built something, they're basically first and second generation wealth. You know, they did it or that did it, moms did it. And that to me is an incredible feeling because when I'm, when I go to Toronto, when I go to New York, that's old money. We're talking to money that's fourth, fifth, sixth generation. And from where you come from, it goes back hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. And so that kind of entrepreneurial spirit is still alive in us. Uh, but I think didn't meld that with how, um, how the world is, how fast the world is changing, right? We're seeing entire, uh, we're, we're seeing entire technology shifts happen within 10 years. So in the technology cycle, 10 years old is basically your grandfather's tech. And I think just let's just meld those two together, which is we're a bunch of cowboys, uh, which, which is a great thing. Like we understand what it is to pioneer a land that's barren. We understand how to turn uh, nothing into something. We know how to establish wealth. We know how to educate ourselves. So take that spirit, apply it towards technology. That's what's happening in the technology scene today. There's a lot of great examples, but I think I, I would just want to put a couple of things on top of that. The resources that we've been blessed with have given us a lot of um, a lot of material resources. We've taken that money. We've poured it into education. We've poured it into infrastructure. So what you see in Alberta is the most educated workforce in all of Canada. So if you're listening to this podcast from outside of Canada and you're thinking, man, I want to move to Canada for whatever reason, look at Alberta. Right? This, is, this is the most motivated workforce you'll find in Canada and, uh, and the most educated. And we, um, we have that spirit of entrepreneurship that just is the lifeblood for propelling entrepreneurial companies forward. And Nick, just, just following on from, from Patrick there, um, you're someone who's, who's working on the ground in this system and you've, you've grown out from, from where you started with, obviously with your education. Um, how, have, how have things changed in, in the time that you've been working there? Yeah, I think it's the past few years have definitely, there's just a, a total shift in the spotlight. You know, tech is, if you, if you go back on, you know, newspapers and magazines and, and articles, there was really little mention, even though tech was there, there was very little mention of it, you know, even a few years ago. And all of a sudden it's kind of come in the limelight. Um, what I find super interesting with the the tech community is that it's it's really surprising how collaborative it is. Like the, 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 the teams and the CEOs and, and everybody 
you know, they know each other. And I think that probably comes from a, you know, we were definitely kind of the underdog industry for a long time, you know, you know, kind of in the shadow of, of oil and gas. And, and so, but yet, even though now the, the, the profile of the industry is starting to rise, there's still very much that underdog mentality of whilst, you know, there's still say competition or people, you know, fighting for talent overall, it's still very, very collaborative. And we're all trying to help each other, um, put Calgary on the map and you know, on the world map when it comes to tech. So there's, it's, it's like genuinely surprisingly supportive and collaborative of even for companies that have nothing to do with each other. I'm really intrigued to what Patrick said uh, and the evolution of what Nick brought to that in the sense of the recognition for the emerging technology sector and the development that came from that. Patrick's absolutely right. When you are known as a geography, like he is obviously very resource and agriculture-led, um, that's, that's something that we also have to give thanks for and pay homage to because the investments that come from that to be able to support the education, the communities, the housing, the the economic structure. It's only with all of that that we actually have the opportunity to grow any new sector. And it's very exciting to me to see that there's also this wonderful space of of these new brilliant minds looking at is established challenges and problems which the legacy um, business sectors have faced and applying those technological solutions to that field. So it's really coming full circle in supporting the people that have helped us move forwards and help us get there, building the community in an even stronger way. Would I would have, would I be right in that sense, Patrick? Yeah. And Dan, let, let me just not, uh, let me just put another uh, point of emphasis on top of that, which is everyone goes to the quantitative measures, which are, you know, how many schools did you build? How many degrees uh, did you grant? You know, how much are people getting paid? And that's all super important. And yes, we are super thankful for that. But I think the number one thing that you can pass on to the next generation is mindset, right? This can-do attitude. And it's a thing that I'm sure that all of our parents pass us. That's why we're sitting on this podcast. And hopefully what we're doing is we're taking that same kind of mindset and we're, we're conveying it to our, to our teams, to the people that we mentor uh, and to our to our own children, and hopefully that mindset, that growth mindset, held more than any money that you can give, more than any gift that you can give them, more than any job that you can grant anyone. Uh, I think this this is the number one thing that our forebearers have given to us, and so I'm very thankful to have grown up in a city like Calgary because I don't know how you get that culture anywhere else, and so with that. Um, I think that the entrepreneurial journey is really about being told you can't do it. You're not important enough. Right? And how many times have we heard that? And how many times have we heard entrepreneurs uh, say, you know, I heard it. I didn't believe it because I believed in myself more than I wanted to believe those voices. Right? And I think it's just great that we all started off by not bragging about how smart we are. We actually bragged about how each of us got kicked out of school or didn't do the right degree, because I think that's the first sign of entrepreneurship is basically to be kicked down and it's not being kicked. That's the determining action. It's your reaction to it. Do you get back up? Do you fight back? And that really is the entrepreneurial spirit of Calgary. Oh, 
I I couldn't agree more. My friends own Inner City Brewing there, and what a time to really launch your brewery and face the pandemic that comes on not that uh, long afterwards and still be there going, hey, we're in this with you. We're in this together. We are survivors. We are people who will make the brighter future rather than crumbling and giving in. There's a spirit to it. And, and I have to say, as this is uh, a series as a part of the Uniting the Prairies um, event, I, there is a there are elements that are very similar across the prairie mindset, which you don't necessarily get in a New York and LA, a London, uh, you know, uh, German large German cities. It's it's very different. And then you've got micro sets within all of those as well. And uh, the discussion earlier about new money and old money. We're just so fortunate to live in a place where there isn't um, almost a social set where old money organizations won't even support new money organizations because it's, well, you know, that's that's them over there. And it helps that people do have this element of supporting each other and growth and and fighting through to be that disruptor, to build new, to build next. Um, yeah. And Dan, if I could just give you a quick story on that. Yeah. Is it's so important, this prairie mindset. My first job coming out of university, I was mentored by a lady named Cindy Pickett. Um, she was head of communications for the city of Calgary. And uh, she's from Saskatchewan. Right? And I, she gave me a job and I said, Cindy, I'm not qualified for that job. And she said, you can do it. And every time I messed up, she said, it's okay. Let's put this together. And she just gave me this sense of there's nothing I can screw up so bad that I can't fix it and I can do these things. And over the period of four years, I just built this belief in myself. But she believed in me. She was the first one to believe in me in a professional job before I believed in myself. Right? And this is what you're talking about is this prairie attitude. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. It's made me what I am today. I mean, regarding the the prairie attitude, I mean, it might be that, you know, you have the generations of people coming in from the East Coast and a lot of them, you know, stopping there, building their lives there. And it took probably a certain type of person to go, you know what, I'm going to keep walking into the woods where, you know, where there's nothing and there's bears and, and there's no civilization to try to build myself a better future. And And I think that's some of the pride that we have with being part of that. I, I'm very excited by this idea of um, people being attracted to the area. And, and that brings me into a, a leader in, in the sense that you're there, you see the talent that's growing there. You also obviously have this goal of attracting talent from elsewhere. What is, what is it like to say to someone who's never even considered working on the prairies that this could really be the place for them? I think it's actually a really interesting conversation to have with people around the world. Um, at Harvest, for example, we're doing lots and lots of recruitments for companies like Neo Financial and other companies within the prairies. And, you know, I think we have organizations within Calgary, within Alberta and the prairies that are doing a great job of trying to get our brand out there as places to live, as as, as amazing epicenters for community and opportunity. Um, they're getting that message out there. So, but it's still early, you know, it's still, it's still not well known around the world that Calgary is a great place to live, but we're working on it. So I think we are able to talk about some of the successful companies, talk about the, the culture that we have in Calgary of, of community, of great education, of, 
great. I mean, the mountains, like this is a beautiful, amazing place to live. And once people, um, you know, hear a little bit about what we have going on, they're actually quite excited. It's, it's less of a, a stretch to, to talk about coming to Canada, to talk about coming to Calgary than, than you would imagine. And, and right now with the cost of living in some of the big urban centers in this country, with the, you know, the recession has been really interesting with what that's done for, or not the recession, the pandemic has been really interesting with what that's done for uh, people thinking, do I want to live? in a huge urban center anymore? Do I want more access to nature, access to a different environment? Do I want to live where people um, have a bit more of a, a community and a small town feel? Um, yeah, that's actually become quite attractive for a lot of people who traditionally, you know, a couple of years ago were in that grind, were in that that wheel in Toronto and loving it. They're they're kind of over it in a lot of ways. And so the opportunities that we have in Calgary, some of the great companies that are coming out of the prairies, some of the, that are putting us on the map, um, the, the, the great publicity that we're getting as our different organizations try and push the Alberta message. I think that's all really, really helpful. And, and people are really interested and curious and excited actually to come to Calgary and come to the prairies. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. Nick, just following on from what Alita just said, there's an element to be said that, um, and and for anyone who's already heard the other episodes of Startupville with our colleagues across the prairies, you've already heard me ask this question and make this statement. But there is a there is that sense of um, there's some terrible things, dreadfully terrible things that have come from the pandemic, and we're we're heartbroken and we're we're deeply aware of what's happened. But at the same time, that question of quality of life and work-life balance, it's given people that chance to pause and explore and think, you know, ask that question, what is actually important to me? And as someone who sees other startups in this sector, as someone who may get tapped up by people that you've studied with who have gone away, who are having that process of going either, I want to be back closer to family, or what is it like where you live? What is the sense from you about people who are, um, you know, innovators, people who are at the sharp edge of those startups, wanting to really bring that balance back? Yeah, I think I th a lot of things that we think about for our company is we think about the young talent that is in the city. Calgary is one of the youngest cities in terms of not just age uh, when it was incorporated, but but in terms of of its population, it's got one of the youngest, most educated populations in in across North America. And we think about how do we stop brain drain, and how do we keep those young people here? Uh, ultimately, they you know a lot of people that grew up in Calgary really love Calgary. Um, it's it's beautiful. You have access to mountains, lots of nature, but they don't always see themselves as having a bright future here. And we really think about our company, we do something called bottom-up hiring, which is really focusing on almost entirely hiring junior, you know, fresh graduated talent and then training them up within the organization. So a lot of times we think about how do we make them proud of this city? How do we make them proud of this ecosystem? How do we make them proud of the opportunities that are here so that we keep our talent here? And Because they're the next generation that are going to make Calgary and the Prairies great. Um, so I think that as much as there's that, there needs to be a focus about bringing great talent from outside to Calgary, uh, we can't forget about you know energizing young people about staying in the city and making it their city. And and in that sense, look, I've got friends that have recently moved from Washington 
DC and they've moved to Okotoks and, and they're, you know, it's so simple, a quick commute into the city or in recent times working from the spare room, you know, they're, they're loving the quality of life. And for them, it's like, well, you know, you've got this beautiful line of Okotoks, city, Canmore, off to the lakes, going even further north, and just that quality of life that comes to it. And one one of the reasons my friend moved to there was, uh, he said, "Well, it's quicker than me driving to Vancouver from Washington D.C. for a, for a quick break or flying, and it's beautiful roads. So the experiences are certainly different." Um, in that sense, Alita, of keeping the talent here. Look, ultimately, I went through that phase like virtually everyone else. The, I'm sure the majority of people who go, I love my green hill over here. I'm not saying the grass is greener over there, but I want to experience what it's like to live on that hill for a little bit, and then I'll decide what I want to do and then come back. What about the people who don't see the value of how great local is? And you're in that space of, of recruiting, but they've got this decision to make of going, well, I want to go to a big center. I want to go to Silicon Valley. I want to go to you know, Toronto, New York, wherever. But it, is there a line which, or is there a point at which you can still speak to them and say, hey, look at what we actually have here? Well, absolutely. I think, you know, people have to make decisions that are right for them, though. You know, and I think if someone wants to go down south and get that experience, please do. And remember, and we just need to then create a lot of exposure for all of the things we are doing here so that they want to come back and bring that amazing experience and skills and stuff that they learned there, bring that back. So I would, I, I don't, I think, you know, people have to do what's right for them, but we also have to bring more light and bring more, um, you know, reputation and branding and exposure to all of the great companies, to all of the great successes that we have here. Because if, if our narrative is very much oil and gas, woe is me, then people, that's what they hear about Alberta. And it doesn't sound very attractive. That doesn't sound super engaging or interesting. Instead, if we can talk more and more and more about the successes and the opportunity and the growing companies and the already successful companies and the entrepreneurship and, and our, our energy, we can attract them back with great experience. If I could just build on that point, uh, I just want to say, you know, this is not to downplay any of the geographic beauty that we have in Calgary, but I think that uh, Calgarians, Albertans, and probably extended out to people across the prairies, we have this pride in our city that's that's not unlike the pride of how we keep our home. So if, if we invited people over to our house and I want to make sure that you have a good time. It's my responsibility. Right? And so if, if I have out-of-town guests that coming in here, this is my city. I take a lot of ownership about the, uh, uh, on in Calgary. And I want to make sure you have a good time. So I think that built in Calgary, built in all Calgarians, is this, we want to make sure that you love your time here and that you meet the right people, that you've found your tribe, you've you've had a mind meld with people that get you, that had a great conversation. And to me, that is really the key of a great city. It's not the mountains and it's not the buildings that we build. It's the culture. Uh, and this is, this is number one, is that, is that all cities are is these collections of people. And we could do this anywhere in the world, but we've chosen to do it here because we found our tribe here. It's people with the right mindset, the right attitude, and, and just uh, they, they help drive us 
and to help make us better. And our families here and our business people, our business partners are here. Uh, and so it's just been an incredible environment. And for me, um, I will, you know, for anyone that asked, I basically say, look, get over here for a week. Uh, for a lot of the entrepreneurs, by the way, pre-pandemic, we've got extra rooms in our house. I actually ask most entrepreneurs to come and stay with us right, and hang out with us, get to know what doing business here is like, get to know what the culture is like. And I'll introduce them to all my friends and let them know how just how smart and how driven the city is. And that's a true measure of what we are. I got to say, I was up on the, I don't know, 50 fourth or 58th floor of the Suncor building and I was at the British Consul and I'm looking out. Well, firstly, I started looking out. I, look, you know, I, we don't have any buildings that tall here. I'm in one of the tallest buildings in Saskatoon and I'm on the 10th floor. Um, so I look out, I can see a few things. I've looked out of that building I, straight out. It's like, oh, there's clouds. As soon as clouds are gone, I looked out at the beauty and the vista and the the view. But then I also saw the number of these beautiful glass buildings and, you know, the the clear wealth that's come from the years and years of investment and, and wealth generation that's come from it. And I saw a number of empty buildings. And I want to get back to that mindset thing. We're very it's very important for us to attract people because of who we are. We look, I'm a professional communicator. I'm a communicator. I'm a storyteller. I believe in the value of relationships. There's no point, you know, so many people say that content is king. No, content is the fodder for the conversation, and it's got to be meaningful. St stood on that floor looking out over these other buildings, I can just see, and I hear it coming from Saskatoon to there, or if I'm going off to Regina or Edmonton, whatever, I just get this wearing element from, and I'm not blaming the media, I'm not doing that, but it's just story after story of downturn, frustration, employment, and, and it paints like almost a monoculture of, of storytelling. Where, where I see that the tech sector actually has a wonderful opportunity is not only changing the narrative within the tech sector and the people and the relationships, but it's to try and tell the story of, hey, stop ragging on what we've got and celebrate what we've got and build those relationships with media and guest blogging and, and uh, contributing to articles and such like. And I find that innovators and people in the tech sector are very good at telling stories and the power, the stories are really powerful. If you were to say, and I'll go around everyone on this, if you were to say to someone who's um, maybe only heard of Calgary because of Eddie the Eagle Edwards in 1988 being a complete failure, and by the way, that's one of the things that made me fall in love with Calgary, but Eddie the Eagle Edwards, that's how I, you know, in 1988 heard of the place, and I, there's been a romance with it ever since. But then I read the newspapers, I read the stories. Tell me, each of you, whether it's something to do with, with uh, you know, growing up there or moving there or the Heritage Park or whatever it may be, tell me one thing that made you fall in love and stay in love with where you live. And I'll start with Alita on that one. The people. The people in 
Calgary, the people in Alberta are wonderful and we want to help each other. We have this drive, we have this community feel. And even if it's a bigger city, it still feels really, really small. I grew up in a small town and I would say that Calgary, you know, we take as much pride and we take as much, um, emphasis in building that community in Calgary and Edmonton as we do in our small towns. And I think so you, you can find that community and that camaraderie and that growth here and that entrepreneurial spirit. And there's just a really strong driving spirit here and it's enchanting. That's what I would say. Patrick, tell me where the love is for Calgary. Yeah, the love is, uh, the love has always been there for me. I, I came here when I was in grade three or four or something like that. And, um, and really just found friends for life uh, right from the very beginning. Uh, I remember my dad ran a grocery store and one day uh, it was quite scary. He was, he was held up at knife point. And, um, and uh, I don't know in what other city does a customer come in and basically say, hey, buddy, you know, get the hell out of here. My dad and him grab baseball bats and start chasing this guy down the street and tackle him. Um, you know, see police cars and ambulances all over the place. And, you know, a month later, I'm meeting the police chief and, and here in the Calgary and they're awarding uh, my dad and uh, our customer, Bill, with, uh, with certificates of bravery and citizenship. Right? And so where else, do you, where else do you get the sense of this is my town? Uh, and what happens here uh, it affects me. So I'm going to get involved. So whether it's uh, incidents of violence like that or just seeing an entrepreneur struggling and saying, I'm going to help that guy out. I've got no economic interest in this, but this, uh, this person, this company is going to help us move forward. And I have a part to play in that. So I think every single day I'm just sitting in meetings with people that go that have zero economic interest saying, I'm going to donate time and money towards helping a group of entrepreneurs that I don't know. Um, my good friend Irfan Raji is, is the board chair at the Glenbow Museum. Uh, and he's got no uh, personal economic interest in making the Glenbow better, but he is. He pours his heart and soul and his own money into this. And that's for the benefit of everyone in this town. And so we see so many selfless people. It's absolutely inspirational for me. And that, that's why I will always live here. Nick, tell me, tell me where your love is for this place. Um, so I moved, I moved to Calgary when I was 12. I originally grew up in Montreal. And um, there's just this sense, you know, moving as a kid that it was, it was a frontier. It was a place where, and I think it continues to be that place today, where it's just this rare place on earth where it really feels like you can build something here. Whether that's a company, a family, uh, uh, anything, it, it really, it, it's almost like a, a blank slate and there's all this opportunity to like make it your own. And I think that there isn't that many places left in the world. Um, and I think that takes, it takes a country like Canada that's so that's so young and, and welcoming and it takes a, a place like the prairies to get this kind of this, this rare feeling of there's room here to build something new. I find this all incredibly heartwarming and I, it only increases my love for, for the prairies and Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba. And, and, and 
uh, one of the things that I, I love is looking back in my history and my journey and where I've lived and where I've traveled. And I certainly find that there is a fondness for other people here that you don't get a sense of when i'm in new york it's you know head down stare at the pavement when it's uh when it's london it's no sooner you know you say hello you think what's going on here um uh, and other parts of the world are to a lesser or greater extent friendlier but there is a there is something about people who look out for other people here and and certainly patrick's right in that sense and also may i say looking at computing history patrick was mentioning earlier on about his journey and and seeing the mac and and just going you know this is this is something i could get behind i thought it was grossly unfair when when for people who were at the sharper edge of of you know um personal computing when uh you know uh, Apple bought out the Mac Classic incredibly quickly to make everyone who was using those original Macs feel that little bit older. I mean, I wasn't as cool as you. I mean, I wasn't in the world of using mice. I was on a IBM XT8086, so I was like a Luddite compared to you with, you know, mouse and a graphic user interface and like, oh, and Gem. When Gem came out, it was just... Anyway, sorry, this is an old fart reference. So uh, I am very much proudly to be one. Um, I would like to say a very big thank you to all of you for joining us here on Startup. I'm going to do that again. I just swallowed it the wrong time. Um, that leaves me to say a very big thank you to all of you for joining us here on Startup, Bill. This is a special edition episode for Uniting the Prairies. It's going to be a great event. I like to see the collisions and the collaboration at that event. It's an event that I've been very proudly uh, attending and on the fringe evolved with um, for a number of years now. And it enables me to meet cool people. And you are all really cool people. I wish one day that I was as cool as you. So. One by one, I'm going to ask how people get get in touch with you because I believe in that collision and, and building connections. So, uh, starting with Patrick, how could people get in touch with you? Uh, probably the best way, if I don't know you already, is uh, get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you already know me and we haven't talked in a while, uh, email address is just pat at panache.vc. And Alita. Yeah, I'll echo that. LinkedIn is is a great way to get a hold of me if, if we haven't met before. And if you know me and you have my email address, let's, or phone number, let's connect. And it's looking like we can start getting together for coffees and stuff pretty soon here in Calgary. So pretty excited about that. I miss going for coffee and, and Nick. Yeah. Like the rest of my peers, uh, LinkedIn and I have a policy where I'll accept all connections. Um, so if you want to chat, don't hesitate and just reach out. Uh, that leaves me just to say to you all, please do stay safe. Let's look forward to the future. It's going to be bright. It's going to be full of energy. It's exciting. And across the prairies, regardless of where you are, what an exciting time to see and build this future together. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. This five-episode series is possible thanks to Collabs, Saskatoon's tech incubator, and the organizers of the UP Conference. Our show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from Gigi Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com startupville. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. 
Remember to subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us rise up the ranks. See you next time on Startup Talk.